Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, what's up, Victory? Thank you so much for joining us here at Church Online today. This is the Summer of Victory, and today is Father's Day. Come on, we are celebrating all the dads. So if you've got your dad with you, or maybe virtually, you got a dad lives far away, make sure you take a few moments, pick up the phone, call dad, send him a text, get on FaceTime, give him a hug right now, just tell him Happy Father's Day. Thanks for being such a great dad. Maybe you have spiritual dads in your life. Don't forget to highlight them as well. As we're here right in the middle of the summer of victory. So many great things going on. Next week is such a big deal. Listen, you do not want to miss next Sunday. And in fact, I want to invite you to come in person because we have a very special guest, Pastor Devin Webb, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, in town to bring the Word of God to us next Sunday, June 27th. Pastor Devin is a dear friend of mine and one of our overseers here at Victory. And I'm telling you what, you do not want to miss it. So do whatever it takes to get here in person next week, 9.15 or 11 a.m. It's going to be awesome. And of course, every Sunday in July is our At The Movies series. It's going to be so much fun and so cool. I believe God is going to move in great ways. So, man, would you invite somebody to come to At The Movies? It's going to be powerful. I know you won't regret it. Now, before we get to the message today, I can't help but give you just a few dad jokes since it is Father's Day and all. Are you ready? Well, you might not be, but they're coming for you anyway. You know, what is brown and sticky? A stick. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, a nose cannot be 12 inches long because then it would be a foot. (laughs) What did the baby corn say to the mama corn? Where's popcorn? Come on, that was good. And you know, before we get into the message, I got to get a shout out to all the sidewalks for keeping me off the streets. (laughs) Come on, that was funny right there. I don't care what y'all say. Let's take a moment and pray to prepare our hearts and our minds for the word today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness that we can enjoy being together and being in your presence. So God, I ask today, not only would you fill our lives with your joy, but speak to us through your word. Let it come alive inside of our hearts and take root, produce the fruit of the Spirit in us because we are good ground. And if you agree, let me hear you shout amen. Well, it is Father's Day and I'm reminded of the importance of fathers, both natural fathers and spiritual fathers. It's so important for fathers to raise up their kids and for men to be spiritual dads to kids. And that's why you'll never stop hearing me talk about needing to be involved in raising up this next generation. It's crazy when you realize the epidemic of fatherlessness in this generation. It's staggering to read the reports and hear the numbers of how many families have been broken and ripped apart because there's no father in the home. There's a study that I read recently that said that in the United States, there are 20 million children living in fatherless homes. That's 36% of all kids, one out of three. Out of all the kids and youth that fill up our prisons, 85% are from fatherless homes. Of every high school dropout, 71% are from fatherless homes. Of every young person who commits suicide, 63% are from fatherless homes. Every pregnant teenager, 71% are from fatherless homes. Out of every runaway and homeless child, 90% are from fatherless homes. 
I believe it is time for us as men of God to draw a line in the sand. It's time for followers of Jesus who are men, who are fathers, to stand up, to protect their families, to guard their families, to lay down their lives for their families, to stay for the long haul and provide for their families. Not to go anywhere, but to be there to provide stability for their families. It's time for spiritual fathers to rise up. It's time for men to lead in youth groups. It's time for men to lead in children's church. Why? So that young boys and girls can learn what a strong man is and one who knows how to serve and love unconditionally. That's what strong men do. We serve and we love unconditionally. And listen, we need women leading too, come on. But it's been too long in the church that men have backed away from their spiritual responsibility to lead. Come on, it's time to rise up, man. We need you involved in the youth and the young adults and children's church. That's why I'm so thankful for men in this church who are rising up. I think of uh, a man in our church who's recently joined the Victory Kids team. His name is Danny and you know, he was much like me. He grew up without a dad in his home and now he's a dad of three amazing boys and he's in their life building a strong home and raising those boys to hear the voice of God. But he just came to the point here where he was like, you know what, I've got to do more. I can help a generation and so every week he's here for the first service to attend for to, with his family and then he goes and serves at the 11 a.m and speaks life and helps teach boys and girls about jesus on their level come on i love you danny i'm so thankful for your investment in victory in this next generation and we need more men like danny Men who can be involved and lead the way. If that's you, you're interested, please reach out to us. Send us a direct message on whatever platform you're watching. We'd love to help you get connected. Last week, we talked about how we get our faith into action, that it wouldn't be dormant. Today, I want to continue talking about faith. The word of the Lord is stretching faith. If you have your Bibles or the Free You Version Bible app, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. How many of y'all know there are different types of faith? People have faith in all different kinds of things, different levels of faith. There's faith in normal things. But the reality is every single person has a base level of faith to believe in something. And as we talk about faith, we understand that we are defining faith biblically because many people would define themselves as person of faith. Oh, they have faith, but they have all kinds of different types of faith. Maybe they have a, a distant faith that really isn't that important in their life, or they have a distracted faith. And every new idea, every new theology that pops up, they're like, oh, this one, this one, and they're all over. They're distracted. Some people have an absent faith. Like, like they just, like, they don't have space for it in their lives, and it's just like they don't care about God. They don't have time for church and any of that. They'll figure it out. Many people have abstract or even demonic faith and things like crystals, tarot cards, palm readings, horoscopes. Others have put their faith in humanism or mental ascent. It's in, they put their faith, in other words, in their own abilities or their own reasoning. Some will have a routine or a ceremonial faith because they maybe were raised in church, they believe in Jesus, and they really are all about the ceremony. Along the way, it became about the traditions and doing the right religious things. They'll come once in a while to church. They're, they're well-meaning and all that they do, but it's really more about the things they can do than it is about having a real relationship, having real faith in the one and only God. But there's other types of faith. What about generational faith? 
There's transferable faith, sincere, deeply rooted, passionate faith. That's what Paul is writing to Timothy about, that faith in God is transferable from one generation to the next, from one person to the next. Paul, we know, would travel around from city to city, preaching the gospel, starting churches, raising up pastors, and leaving them in charge to run the church, and he would go on to the next city. Timothy just happened to be one of those young men that Paul had raised up to lead a church. And 2 Timothy is the last time Paul would write to him before he died. And so here, Paul is kind of giving Timothy his final instructions and his final communication. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I remind you of your sincere faith. So there's sincere faith, alluding that there is insincere faith. But he's saying, Timothy, I'm reminding you of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded, now lives in you also. In other words, there's a sincere type of faith in God that is passed on from one generation to the next. I find that so encouraging because I don't know about y'all, but I'm raising my daughter, trying my best to have deep and sincere, passionate faith in God. I don't know any other parents ever wonder, am I doing this thing right? Come on, I want to encourage you today. You are doing this thing. Come on. And here Paul is teaching us that the blessing of sincere, genuine, rubber meets the road, bet the farm, risk-taking faith is possible to pass on to the next generation. But here's the thing. Whatever your level of personal faith is, that's the level of faith you will pass on to your children and to those around you. You cannot have a lukewarm faith and pass on a red-hot, deeply-rooted, passionate faith in Christ to your children. In other words, you can only transfer what you are, what you have in a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we spend time in prayer and in worship to develop relationship, to deepen our faith. That's why we fast and study the Word and memorize it and meditate on it and speak on it. Not so that we can do all the ceremony, so that our faith would be strengthened and deepened so that what we pass on to the next generation is a red-hot, sincere faith. Paul is telling Timothy there was a sincere, deeply rooted faith in Christ that his grandmother had first. And thank God for praying grandmas. Come on, and that faith was passed on from grandma to his mom. Thank God for praying moms. And his mom taught him and passed that faith on to him. There was a generational transfer of faith. It's the personal relationship with Christ that we pass on. That's why so many people who don't really have that personal relationship with Christ, they, they can't understand why their kids don't see the need for church because of how they treated Christ in the church. They didn't prioritize Bible reading time. They didn't prioritize being in church. It was optional when we needed something or, or when we were supposed to be there. Or, or, or they, so what happened then is they pass on a faith that looks good on the outside but is dry and dead in a house of cards on the inside. I'm just glad to be surrounded right now. A bunch of people listening at church online who've decided, you know what? I'm going to pass on a deeply rooted and passionate love and faith in Christ for and his church to my children. Come on. I love the way Joshua put it to the children of Israel after leading them into the promised land. Joshua 24:15, he said, "But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors uh, served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, 
We will serve the Lord. Come on, that is good. So how do we have this kind of sincere, transferable faith? It's a great question. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sincere faith must be stretched. If we're going to have a sincere faith that is transferred to the next generation, our faith must be stretched. If you want God to increase your capacity, your influence, and your access for tomorrow, it will require more faith than you have today. That's why we'll say faith is useless unless it is stretched. See, when we go into new seasons, we go into new places of influence, new authority, new directions that God brings us down, it will require our faith to stretch. It's much like this rubber band that I've got right here. This rubber band was made to stretch. It was made to be twisted and pulled beyond what seemed reasonable or possible. It was made for stretching. And our faith is much the same way. Our faith was made to stretch to the uncomfortable places and the times of pressure. And that's where our faith grows. It's when our faith is stretched that that's when God shows up and does what we could not do on our own. And it's those situations where we're being obedient to what God has spoken, where we step out and do something God has put on our hearts that looks impossible, that we're believing for healing. We're believing God for something that doesn't seem to be working, something improbable. It's those times, you know, when we're praying like, God, if you don't show up, I'm going to fail. This is going to fall apart. Come on. That's what it means to have a faith that is stretching, to live by faith. If our faith is not being stretched, then we are probably playing it safe in our prayers, in our hopes, in our dreams, and in our obedience to what God has called us to do. We were made to be stretched. We were, we were made to live by faith and not just by sight or by comfort. Come on, truthfully. Joy and fulfillment are not found in the comfortable places anyways. Can I tell you, joy, fulfillment, purpose is found in the places where we go beyond what was we thought was possible and we saw God come through. Come on, science has even proven the fact that the happiest people on earth are those who do something for someone else. Why? Because it's a stretching of a faith to believe that this life is not all about what I can do for myself and how great I can be. It takes faith to see that this life is all about knowing God and helping others know Him as well. Come on, what if we began just to ask God this right here? God, stretch me. Stretch my faith. Now that is a dangerous prayer because God will give us the opportunities to be stretched. And every, In fact, Every opportunity that God brings to us will require us to stretch our faith. Now, I consider myself somewhat of an athlete. I grew up playing sports and being on teams all the time, even to the, through high school. And to this day, I love to play on sports, play on teams. One thing that I've never really much liked about playing sports, though, is stretching. You know, it's, uh, it's just not fun. And especially as a young man, I saw no need for it. It was a waste of time, sure. Coach, you want me to do some basic stretching to get loose? I'll, I'll humor you. I'll do these little stretches things, but I don't really need to stretch. But the older that I've gotten, I'm not old, but I've gotten a little older, stretching is required to be able to participate in whatever the activity is. Stretching hasn't become more fun than it was. You know, stretching is time-consuming. There's tension put on my body. It's generally uncomfortable and all those kinds of things. But I've learned it's the stretching 
that allows me to be effective. It's the stretching that enables me to be able to play the whole game at a high level and not experience injuries, right? James chapter 1 verse 2 says it this way, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing, or if our word today, the stretching, you know, the testing or the stretching of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There is a process of stretching and testing that is required for our faith to grow and mature in our lives, and it can't be produced from places of comfort. I know in my own life, every time God wanted to do something in me, it required stretching. I think about when we moved here to Orlando from Oklahoma and the stretching that required. We felt called to move with our founding pastors, Caleb and Sarah Worley, to help start this church, Victory Orlando. But there honestly was no pay, there was no position, there was nothing, just an invite, hey, will you come be part of the dream team? Now, I had a job, I was a programmer, but they said you won't be able to work for us from Orlando. Uh, we were supposed to, the house we were supposed to get fell through at the last minute, and, and the school we were supposed to get for my daughter, everything that was supposed to be certain all fell apart only about a month before we were set to move. Now, honestly, I could have stayed in Tulsa. Things would have been so much more comfortable. It would have been easier. I had friends. I had a job. I had a place to live. And I had a great school for my daughter. But we knew that God had called us here to Orlando to be part of Victory Orlando Church. And I remember the conversation with Pastor Caleb. I was telling him about all this stuff. And I probably couldn't do it. And I don't know when I could come, if I could ever come. And he just stopped me. He said, Chris, if God called you here, then you need to stretch your faith of what is possible. You can do more than what you currently believe. And it was a stretching moment. And we made that decision that we were going to stretch our faith and believe God that if we would take the steps that we could take, that He would do what only He could do. And we did, and God showed up in big ways. We were able to move. My job allowed me to continue to work for them, but from Orlando, and they gave me a raise. We got an even better house, and my daughter got in a great school. Man, when we take steps to stretch our faith, God shows up and does what only He can do. Come on. The thing about this rubber band is if it's only stretched a little bit, it can only go so far. But the more and the more and the more that this is stretched, there's more tension, there's more discomfort on my thumb right there, on my fingers. But the potential of how far this can go is even greater. The further that is stretched, the further it can go. And it's the same with our faith. The more stretching there is, the more discomfort, the more tension, then the, the level of how far God can go and take us rises. That's why when God wants to do something significant through our lives, it's risky because faith involves risk. It's faith stretching with courage from a safe place to move to an unsafe or an unknown place. God uses the stretching in our lives to expand our thinking, to bust out of the same old patterns, to bust out of the same old life, out of the same old challenges. God stretches our faith because too often we want to just live in the comfort and stay where we are doing the same old things. But truthfully, if we're just staying where we are, we really aren't staying in the same place. We're either growing closer to God or further away from Him. Faith is trusting God in the moments of pressure tension, stress, and discomfort. 
I love what Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2 says about our stretching. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and will settle in their desolate cities. Man, there are things that God has called us to do that without stretching will not be accomplished. Isaiah says it's the stretching, it's the expanding that allows generations to advance and achieve victory. And could it be in our lives that we haven't seen God moving in our families and the way that we hoped because we haven't wanted to be stretched, we haven't stretched our faith? I'm talking to a bunch of people right now who, who are all in every area of life, but you've been called to be missionaries and evangelists and teachers and pastors and leaders and business owners. You've been called into every arena of life with the gospel of Jesus inside of you so that you could make a difference in the lives of others. But it's going to take a stretching of your faith to be effective. Come on. There is so much inside of you that you are capable of. Dreams that God has put in you. But it's going to require your faith to be stretched in order for you to see those things come to be. If you want God to use your life in big ways, you will have to be exposed to to stretching. What are some areas that we could be stretched in in our lives? What about in our giving? We can be stretched in our giving. It expands our faith. In our serving. Sometimes we need to be stretched in how and when we serve. What about in obedience when God prompts us to do something, right? Or what about in our words? We can be stretched in our words and what we speak about. In our dreams, the things we dream of. What about in how we step out and do what God has called us to do? Are we quick to obey? You know, when God leads us, do we, we question it? Well, like, no, we can be stretched to believe God that when we feel the prompting in our spirit and we step out and do it. Come on. And while stretching our faith opens the door for God to move in mighty ways, it also exposes a person through the pressures and the tensions. See, stretching our faith will expose a person to the critics. Anytime you step out in faith to obey God, to start that new business, to write that book, to move to a new city, to start serving in Victory Kids or Victory Youth, to start singing on the worship team, whatever it is that God spoke to you to do, when you step out, there will be critics. Guess what? If you're going to lead, if you're going to do something significant for God, you're going to be criticized. And if you haven't been criticized yet, you haven't been leading very long or you haven't just heard about it yet, right? People are saying all the time, oh, you can't do that. You don't have enough money. You don't have the experience. Someone else is better or more qualified than you. You shouldn't even try. And even if you start doing what God has called you to do, you took that step out, the critics keep going on and then they'll start just change what they say. Well, it won't last. You're just going to fail. You should probably start thinking about something else to do. I could do that better than you, right? The critics will say anything and everything. I know. When Heather and I stepped in to be lead pastors of this church, there were critics, and there was a lot of them. Are you sure you can do this? Did God really call you to do this? <laughs> there are well-meaning people that ask questions, but most of the times, the critic, the voice of the critic, just wants to get you to doubt, to question what God has said. See, our ability to handle criticism can make us or break us. No one is indifferent to criticism. It causes a person to respond in one or two ways, either through growth and maturity or through bitterness and resentfulness. So how do we handle criticism when it comes? Not if it comes, when it comes. I'll tell you a couple things on handling criticism. Look beyond just the word and determine the motives. 
ask is, is there any truth in this criticism? Is God trying to say something to us? See, there's a difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. Criticism. Some keys in, in determining whether criticism is constructive or destructive is this. Is it positive? Does it build you up or does it tear you down? What spirit was it given in? Is, there, is it gentle or is it judgmental? When was the criticism given? Was it privately or publicly? Why was the criticism given? Is it for personal benefit the person gets better or so that it's to help you grow or is it from a hurt, you know, because hurt people hurt people. Listen, don't take yourself too seriously. If you will learn to laugh at yourself, come on, we, we all make mistakes from time to time and, and no matter what the critic says, listen, we can always learn something no matter if they're saying it for our good or for our bad, right? We can always learn something if we'll keep a teachable attitude, a teachable heart, one that says, I don't know it all. I can learn from those who are for me and those who are against me, right? See, we can look beyond the criticism to see the critic. Who said it is as important as what was said. Was it from someone who is wise that you respect or is it from someone who's just always, always critical, always negative, they never say anything nice, they're always gossiping, right? Uh, or do they really want to help you? And listen, when the critics start chirping, we've got to guard our heart. Check your attitude, especially toward the critic. A negative attitude towards the critic can be more destructive than the criticism itself. Come on, you got to understand, good people People of faith, people who are being stretched, be, are criticized. Jesus himself, whose motives were pure and his character was spotless, he was trying to do good things and help people, he was criticized. They called him a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of sinners, and all kinds of things. So when our faith is stretched, the question is not, are you being criticized, but how are you responding to it? Stretching of our faith will also expose a person to discouragement. That's when you're stretching your faith, and you're stretching, and you're stretching, and you're not seeing any results yet. It really, it's the most vulnerable point when we don't see the results for discouragement to try to creep in. It's, you know, the thing that makes discouragement a key tactic for our spiritual enemy, the devil, is that discouragement, it's like that punch in the gut, you know? It's like, get the wind knocked out of you. It makes you wanna like, sit down for a minute, hang your head, and stop the stretching. I know, discouragement is, is a real thing. It's a thing that people deal with. We all experience it on one level or another, but even while we all experience and we all feel things, the easiest way to defeat discouragement and keep it from settling into your thinking and speaking is to encourage someone else and then begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. That's what David did. We just talked about it a few weeks ago, and if you missed it, it's available on all of our platforms. Come on. We need to be people in the church who are followers of Christ, who are Holy Ghost anointed discouragement busters, that we are people who go around encouraging people, building other people up, lifting them up. Instead of criticizing, what are we going to do? We're going to say, Holy Spirit, work in me, use me today to build up faith in someone else. Now, stretching of our faith will also expose a person to doubt. Romans chapter 4 verse 18 says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So we see Paul reminding us of God's faithfulness that he did exactly what he promised to Abraham. He made him the father of nations. Without weakening his faith, 
He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So Abraham is not denying things. The, the fact that there are, are, are realities in life is not a denial of our faith. Abraham knows he's old. He knows that he's past his prime. And yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. I love that phrase. He did not waver through unbelief. That tells me that unbelief will be present. When faith is being stretched, there will be unbelief. There will be doubts. That's why it's called the good fight of faith. There is an opponent. But listen, the presence of that opponent doesn't mean you're defeated. It doesn't mean you're going to be defeated. So often we acknowledge the presence of doubt and immediately count ourselves out. Doubt will be present but it doesn't cause our faith to waver or lose its strength. It doesn't cause me to be cautious. It doesn't cause me to stop stretching. Why? Because when I'm stretched, I'm growing in the spirit of faith. I might feel doubt, but I choose to act in faith. The spirit of faith is I believe in my heart and therefore I speak. So when I want to combat doubt, I need to speak. But a lot of times people will ask questions like, uh, why can't they be healed? And then they've already said it, that they can't. Why can't they be healed? We've got to realize our confession, the words that we speak, our language locates us. Another way to say that is our words give us away, gives away, shines a light on what we really believe. Are we believing in faith or are we believing in doubt? Look what Abraham did. He didn't give in to doubt. Instead, he was strengthened in his faith. Come on. And he gave glory to God. He began to say how good God was and speak the praises of God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Come on. When God is going to do something powerful in and through your life, it will stretch you beyond your present abilities and resources to trust him like never before. But don't be afraid because that's where God is. God is in the stretching. He's in the strengthening of our faith and showing up and doing what his word says. That's why as followers of Christ, we should never stop stretching. So here Paul tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, there's a family legacy, a spiritual heritage that has been passed down Grandma, Ma, and now it's you, Timothy. It's in you. I don't feel like God sent me here through this screen today to tell you that it's in you. His spirit, his anointing, his calling, there is sincere, deep-rooted, passionate, bet-the-farm, risk-taking faith in you. For some, you were raised in church. You, you, you once Maybe you grew up with the fire of God inside of you and worship and praise and prayer. You had strong faith, but somewhere along the way it turned into a different kind of faith. Maybe distant faith, ceremonial, religious faith, whatever. But today, man, it's undeniable. There's faith being transferred into your life even right now. There's new fire for God beginning to burn out all of the old, all of the dry, all of the stale. God is refining you. Right. For others, maybe that's not your story. Your family didn't go to church. You didn't really know God until you got to be older. There wasn't this transfer of sincere faith in God from your family. There was a transfer of something else. I have good news for you. You are writing a new chapter in the story of your family. Come on. It's a story that will transfer deep-rooted, sincere, passionate, bold, courageous faith to your children, 
to your grandchildren and for generations to come because of what you are doing right here. Just because you weren't raised in the fam this family or whatever, or your past looks messed up, maybe you feel broken or you just went through terrible things growing up. Listen, God is not done with you yet. He is able to redeem and restore what the enemy tried to steal from you and he can set you on the path where you can be the one to one day say, my grandma transferred this faith into my mom and now into me. Come on, there's a generational change taking place and it starts in moments like this. Bold moments of faith right now. Paul tells Timothy, there is sincere faith in you. But then he gives him this instruction, almost as if he's telling him, hey, Timothy, this is how you're going to deepen your faith, but it's also how you're going to transfer that sincere faith to others. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Come on, sometimes we just need to stir up the gift of God in our lives. In fact, let's do it right now wherever you are. Let's get on our feet, bow our heads. Let's begin to pray. Lord, I thank you for faith rising up on the heart of every person right now that even as we've shared your word today, that faith is beginning to grow and develop in each and every one of us. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I've had this kind of faith or that kind of faith, but I want to have that kind of bold, passionate, risk-taking faith, a sincere faith that is transferred from my life to those around me, but also to the next generation. Whether you grew up in church or whether you grew up far from God, man, this is the moment to reach out in faith, to connect with your heavenly Father and allow Him to fill you with His love, with His power, and with His Holy Spirit, just like we just read. He, uh, we're gonna stir up the gifts inside of you and I can't lay my hands on you through this screen, but I'm gonna reach my hand out and I want you to do the same. Reach your hand out just as an stretching of your faith right now to say, God, I'm stirring up the gifts inside of me. So Lord, I pray for each and every one right now that is stirring up the gifts inside of them. I pray for the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of, of tongues and of, of administration and craftsmanship, all the spiritual gifts you've given to the body, Lord God. I thank you right now. They are being stirred up in the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord God. I thank you right now that we are being strengthened in our faith to believe you. When things don't look like they're working out, Lord God, our faith will not waver. We will not give up in the, in the gap, Lord God, but we will continue to believe your word that it is true. Lord, right now I pray for every need that's represented here. Those that have been holding on for so long, God, I pray you fill them with strength today to hold on just a little bit longer, Lord God. I thank you that you are in meeting every need right now, every healing that is needed, every, every need of provision that is needed. You are moving into those places, every protection that is needed, everything that is needed, Lord God. You are in the process of already meeting those needs. And I want to pray for a second group of people today. You've heard the message, but if you're really honest, you have that distant faith. It may be non-existent, absent faith. You don't even know God for yourself. Today, the choice is yours. To stay where you are and to keep trying to just do life, live your best life, make it all make sense, or to choose to finally surrender to Jesus and let him bring life, power, strength, and faith into your spirit. Maybe you're here today and you've been a Christian, but you're just 
far from God. It's been a long time since you've been close to Him and you're ready to renew your commitment to Him today Give you, and give your life fully to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, you're saying, Pastor, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I want to know God for myself. I need to give Him my heart. I want real relationship with God. I, maybe you just need to come back to Him. Whether you need to give God your life for the first time or you need to just come back, this is the moment. Would you click to raise your hand in the chat or type the name Jesus in the comments wherever you're watching today. Would you pray out loud with me so that no one is praying alone? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Create in me a new heart. I believe that Jesus is my Savior and He is Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and making me part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you just prayed that prayer right in that moment, God made you brand new. He put his life in you, his spirit in you. You've been brought into the family of God. You are a son, you are a daughter of God. So welcome to the family. And I'd love to have the privilege to encourage you, to pray with you. Would you send me a message? can direct message me on that platform you're on or just send me an email to info at victoryorlando.com. I love you so much and I can't wait to see you again next week at Church Online.